Romans chapter 1. If you've got that memorized, that's fine. Um, but I've been, been doing a series on the greatness of God. We looked at God in the heavens, how great He was. We looked at God in our bodies, how great He is. Uh, we looked at uh, the fact that we have a destiny as people of God. And today, I'm going to look at God versus the other gods. Because there is a big showdown happening right now. I would have to warn you that uh, this message is not really suitable for children, for the sensitive ears of children. If you are woke and politically correct, it's probably not good for your sensitive ears either. So the kids have gone off to kids' church for the most part. Um, but I, I'm just putting that caveat in at the start because I'm going to kind of call it as it is in our society. How many of you know our society is out of control at the moment? The moral climate in our society, it's not even concerned, it's gone beyond concerning into the point of ridiculous. And it's like the emperor's new clothes. Everybody knows it is ridiculous. They know woke and PC and all that sort of stuff is, is ridiculous. But no one's prepared to say anything. Well, very few are prepared to say anything. And this little black duck's going to be one of them. As I think things need to be said. There is a great cosmic showdown that is unfolding as we speak. So we looked at how great is our God in creation, how great is our God in our bodies. But this, is, this message is a how great is our God versus the devil, versus the other gods, and versus ancient demonic spirits. Um, uh, I've taken a lot of this information from a book which really challenged me. Um, and I can blame Melva for this because she made me read it. It's uh, called Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. He's a Messianic Jewish pastor. And a lot of what he says is truth. And it rings truth to me, so that's what I'm sharing this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, as we speak about unspeakable things that you're not allowed to speak about these days, I pray, Lord, that you will, you will just uh, govern every word that I say, govern every word that is heard, that goes out on recordings. And we speak Jesus into our nation. We speak the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father, as we learn and we understand what is going on in our society. Lord, that you will be glorified and that we will see our nation come to revival in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there is a struggle between good and evil. And uh, it's right across our planet and it's nothing new. Jesus said uh, in Luke 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In Revelation 12, it says this, And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Notice that, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, ever since Satan's fall, he took one third of the angels with him. They became demons. You probably know the story. But ever since then, Satan has opposed God and anything about God. This conflict is not new. It's as old as time, really. When, when Satan uh, was full of pride and took things he should never have taken. And the devil wants to hurt God by destroying and attacking God's creation, mankind. That's what he's trying to do. So what I'm about to share may be shocking to some, may be offensive to others, but it's not dualism. It's not what this thing represents. We're not talking about an arm wrestle between, between God and, and the devil, where, you know, it's 50-50 and anyone can... It's not dualism, because, you see, I've read the end of the book, and I know who wins, you see. So we're not talking about, oh, it's hanging in the balance and stuff like this. The, the better illustration, and I like this illustration because I like history, is it's a bit like in the Second World War when the Allies established the beachhead at Normandy. The Nazis were doomed from that point. They were never going to win the war. But they battled and fought and caused damage and death and destruction 
all the way through to their defeat. And that's what the enemy's doing. But he can't win because we win as God wins. So it's not dualism. I don't believe for one second that God ever loses control of anything. He holds galaxies in his hands, everything in balance. How can we doubt that, he, that, that he's not totally in control all the time? But he allows Satan limited scope for a limited time. That's what we're in at the moment. And see, the thing is, Satan set a trap and mankind plays right into the enemy's hands. Look at Romans 1, verse 21. Now, <coughs> you can get in trouble quoting some of this stuff because it's not PC, but I don't care. It's WG. It's the Word of God. That'll do me. And I think it's quite revealing what it says here in Romans 1. Paul says this, For although they knew God, talking about mankind, they did not honour Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Does that sound like people these days? Then verse 24, Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the Creator, uh, the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonourable passions. And it goes on to describe that. You see, when our society rejected God, and we have, I mean, clearly over the last 50 years, we have not honoured God, wouldn't you say? God has been pushed back, pushed, back, pushed down, pushed away. And, and when, we, when we as a society stopped honouring God at our core, what that did was it opened the door for ancient gods to come back in and rise again. And that's what we're witnessing today. That's the only explanation for how crazy the world is today. It's like the showdown at the not-so-okay corral. Because things are not-so-okay. I mean, the, the world is a mess. Do you not agree? Let me tell you, this is some of the things I've come in contact with over the last little while. We've got school kids dressing like cats at school because they identify as felines. In our, in our local school here, we have people changing gods, changing sex and changing morality like they change socks. We have a seemingly all-powerful media that calls for tolerance in everything except Christianity. Why are they tolerant of everybody except Christians? Why? Because it's not a battle between ideologies. This is a battle between principalities. They, they're not happy with... They, they, you can, they don't attack Muslims or Hindus like they attack us. Why? Because it, this is a clash of the gods, folks. That's what it is. Now, the Bible is full of altercations between God's guys and the other gods. If you look back, Elijah, Gideon, Joshua, many others fought ancient spiritual deities. Now, but this is, you can read it in the Bible and you think, okay, that's 2,000, 3,000 years ago. You think that's back then. But the point is, it's happening right now. These guys are back. You might say, I don't agree with that. I say, I don't care. I, I can see the facts. I mean, the writing is on the wall. And our country is slipping into a moral just cesspool right now for example a few years of a few years ago i saw our prime minister at the at the australian christian church's pastors convention last week i saw our prime minister standing at the head of the gay march 
Our whole society is sliding into a depraved, confused mess from the top down. But this is not new. This is not new. Can we pop the slide up here? There it is. Just the other week. This is not new. This is what we're dealing with. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's what 1 John says. Our whole nation today lives in the power of the evil one. And somehow, the same gods the Israelites fought back in the Bible are back again, taking the form of the woke, the PC, the, you know, the various lobbies. They're back, they're evil, and they're fighting hard. So let's have a look at what happened. And, and let's go back to former days. In former days, these ancient gods reigned over tribes, nations, kingdom, and empires, saturating them with their images. Next slide, please. And, and their doctrines and their teachings and that sort of stuff. But then what happened was Jesus was crucified and over a couple of centuries, those gods got pushed out of the picture. And so the whole of the Western world turned towards godly principles. And that's what we built, what we built ourselves, our nations under, our cultures under godly principles. So the power of these evil spirits declined over the next few hundred years and they were expelled. Colossians 2 verse 15 says, He, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them by the cross. So that's what happened. And for centuries, that's what it was like. But over a couple of centuries, the old gods were driven underground. Christianity became the dominant religion in the Western world. And we built our morality, our laws, our society on the Bible. Was it perfect? No, because people were still involved. But what, was it better than what they're dishing up now? I think so. And God's laws were at the heart of every civilized society. But over the last century or so, mankind decided he had no more need for God. He will glorify himself above God in much the way, same way Satan had in the past. And this opened the door to the same demonic spirits that, that were fought back in Bible days making a resurgence today. You might say, well, that's a bit weird. Yes, it is. We open the door. They're just walking through it. Our cultures open the door by rejecting God. Deuteronomy 32 says this, they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently whom your fathers had never dreaded. That's back in Deuteronomy, but you can say the same today. This time, the ancient gods, they're coming back, but they're under new guises. They're, they're looking differently. They're, they're, they're appearing different. They altered their appearance, took on new identities, gave themselves new names. They came as spirits of enlightenment, freedom, tolerance, inclusiveness. They came as secular gods, gods that denied that they were gods, gods that declared that there was no God. They came as new gods to the modern world. And Jesus said this about the devil in John 8. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is, a, he is a liar and the father of lies. Folks, our culture, our nation is being lied to right now. I believe so. So these gods of ancient Canaan and Phoenicia, these sorts of places to which the Israelites sacrificed, they were not simply figments of pagan imagination. They were actual spiritual entities. This is what you need to, to understand. Back then, those gods, you read them in the Bible and you say, okay, well, they were ancient gods. But, you know, you might think, oh, well, they were figments of their imagination. No. 
Those ancient gods were real. They are spiritual demons, demonic strongholds. And likewise, the gods of the Greeks and the Roman Empire were not simply imagined or invented characters of pagan mythology. They were, actual, they were actually connected to spiritual entities. And the Greek word that is used to describe them is the word daemonia in Greek, which we would translate as demon. Ephesians, two, uh, sorry, Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is what we need to understand. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are not fighting people. We are fighting, we are fighting spiritual entities that are over it, controlling what people are, are saying and doing. But we're not fighting people. People say, this is hate speak. It's not hate speak. It's love speak. Because we love people. We talk about real people, real community, real God. We're not here to hate anybody. But what we cannot do is sit idly by and watch our entire society get manipulated by these ancient gods who are making a comeback. So what I'm about to share might feel a bit overwhelming, but don't worry, because we know who wins. And we have to keep that in mind. This is for your information so you know how to pray, so we know what we're up against. But we are not on the, on the losing side here, okay? We're on the winning side. But I want to point out too that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I don't hate gay people. I have several gay friends. I love them dearly. I'm not anti-gay but I'm anti a lobby that will try and conform the minds of our children to do what they want to do. That's what I'm anti. I'm not anti the people. I love the people. But I'm against that they can manipulate governments and the media to do what they're doing. So let's talk about the clash of the gods because that's what we're really dealing with here. It's a clash of gods between our God and the others. People can be demon-possessed. Or, or, or oppressed but did you know entire cultures can be demon possessed the grip that these ancient gods had on so many cultures and peoples was shattered by one man dying on a cross the polytheism, polytheism and pantheism of greco-roman world uh, gave way to the belief in one god a god who loves and cares for each one of us unlike those demonic spirits that manipulated people to their own ends but jesus gave this warning matthew 12 verse 43 listen to what he said this is really interesting you would know this verse but i want you to take note of the very last phrase because it really spoke to me as i read it verse 43 when the unclean spirit so spirit's been cast out of someone who was demon possessed <coughs> when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none then it says i will return to my house from which i came and when it comes it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven, of, uh, seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Then listen to this. Jesus said, so also it will be with this evil generation. See, he used generation because whole cultures can be oppressed by demons. Whole cultures. Are not just individuals they can be fooled by the satanic gods whole cultures but the ancient gods can only return if the door is open to them if there is a falling away of a nation from a christian faith and a biblical worldview and we have seen that happen have we not 
In our modern post-Christian world, we've rejected the things of God. And so, according to Jesus' word, our modern state will be worse than the first one. In other words, our modern world will, will commit greater sins and atrocities than the ancient world did. So it is not an accident that over the last hundred years, as secularism has, has risen up and, and, and God has been pushed to the side, over the last hundred years, it's brought about the greatest evils the world has ever seen, including communism, Nazism, fascism, the Holocaust, abortion and the atomic bomb, all in the last hundred years since we kicked God out. We open the door. Now, you may be aware, I don't know if you are, I hope you are, we have a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? And, uh, and God is three and he's one. It's amazing. It's wonderful. We don't understand it, but that's the trinity. We love it. Josh spoke on it a couple of weeks ago. But in Revelation, we also see what's called the unholy trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So, in Revelation 16, it says this, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they were demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad. So the re-emergence of these three spiritual powers with such ferocity in Revelation is what actually sparks the final battle between God and Satan at Armageddon. And many believe we are facing an unholy trinity right now. And if this is true, we are definitely in the last days, folks. Does that get you excited? I hope so. And we, we could easily be the last generation before Jesus comes to receive us. We could easily be the last one. And I think it's an unbelievable privilege and an honor that we could be part of that last, you know, fighting the greatest battle in human history and we get to be in it on the side of right. So, I want to look in detail at the three re-emerging ancient gods, or what Jonathan Carr believes, and I believe it as well, that are active right now. The first one is Baal, Baal the possessor. Now, Baal means lord or owner, and he was the chief of the gods, the lord of rain, clouds, and fertility. Baal, and, and there's lots of different Baals. It just means lord over areas and stuff like that. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of Baal stuff in there. He was like the chief the chief, uh, you know, antagonist to, to God and what God was doing with his people. Judges 2, for example, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they served Baals. And they abandoned the Lord their God, the God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the, the gods of the people who were around them and they bowed down to them. The God Baal is a demonic principality and his promise is increased prosperity, material gain, and fertility. Now, you, you might say, well, I've never heard of Baal. He had different, same God, different cultures gave him different names, but it's the same God. So for the Greeks, he was known as Zeus. That's that guy. Or Jupiter Bellus, which is another name for Baal, Bellus. And in Rome, if you're into Roman things, he was known as Apollo, the chief of the gods. Now, the mission of Baal is to cause nations that have previously known God to stop knowing God and then to forget him, and then to forget that they even knew him. In Judges 3, it says, they forgot the Lord their God and serves the Baals and the Ashtoreths. I'll get to her later. So this ancient God resurfaces, and his purpose is to turn whole nations away from the things of God. So what he wants to do, if he's active today, what he wants to do is to take what previously was honored and revered and obeyed, 
the Word of God and the things of God and make a mockery of them. And that is exactly what we've seen over the last 50 years, wouldn't you say? If you don't believe me, turn on the ABC. But what, is Gal, what does Baal look like today? Well, Baal's agenda is to control nations and to turn them away from God. God's laws are abandoned as Baal controls things like media, universities, governments, schools, and children's programs, and God is openly mocked on TV and in movies. In 2 Kings 17, it says, They abandoned all of the commandments of the Lord their God, and they made for themselves metal images of two calves. Then they made an ashtoreth and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Now, it's interesting that Baal initially comes with a spirit of openness and says, you need to tolerate and you need to embrace these new ideas. See, the ancient, uh, ancient god Baal was a god of prosperity. He promised followers material and monetary gains. Now, here's a really interesting thing. The symbol, the ancient symbol for Baal is a bull. Interestingly, the symbol for prosperity on Wall Street today is a golden bull. Ooh, there's a, there's a lot of bull. Psalm 106, they made a calf at Horeb and worshipped the metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass and they forgot God their saviour. Doesn't this sum it up? Greed is what it's about. Baal worship is idol worship. Previously was statues and temples. Today it's footballers and movie stars. Baal worship is prosperity. Previously it was rains and harvest. Today it's stocks and properties. Baal worship was also the occult. Previously it was in temples and high places, but today we see the occult on TV, in movies, in markets, in psychic fairs, in mung bean and cheesecloth. If you go over to Queen Street right now and walk along Queen Street, you'll see a bunch of this stuff. It's the same God. It's Baal being active, even in our own technology, uh, even in our own society, rather. But I want to talk about techno Baal because Baal knows that to control a society, you, the best way to do it is to target children, because in a generation they will grow up and you'll have control. Now, let me share with you a verse from Acts 17, verse 29, where Paul is preaching on Mars Hill in Athens. This is 2,000 years ago. Listen to this. He says, "Being then God's offspring." Ought we not to think uh, that a divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man? An image formed by the art and imagination of man. Here's something really interesting. The Greek word for art is the word techne, from which we get technology. So, the new form of our idolatry is technology. You see this in so many young people today as gamers get absorbed into sort of the matrix of the virtual world. Who'd have thought the matrix would be real? But it is, you know. The virtual world of online becomes real for them. And Baal has them where he wants him. In 2019, just a couple of years ago, a 13-year-old Victorian boy took his own life after a year-long addiction to the game Fortnite. This is happening in our society, folks. This is not ancient history. This is right here and right now. It's not just words in the Bible. It's happening all around us. So the ancient god Baal turned people away from God, harnesses media, technology, popular culture, and it created a godless vacuum. But Baal was not alone. He has a mistress, and she stepped in. Let me introduce you to Ishtar. 
the enchantress now this is one of the ancient um, um, whatever they call statue relief things I had to work really 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 hard to find a slide that had Ishtar clothed I'm not kidding it most of them have her naked why because she is the god of sex this is where it gets slightly R-rated. Surely one of the most remarkable traits of the last 20 years is the prolific rise of sexual deviancy. Ishtar was the goddess of sexuality. She was also called the queen of heaven. Ishtar is her Babylonian or Assyrian name. The Romans called her Venus. The Phoenicians called her Astarte and the Greeks called her Aphrodite. You would have heard of some of those. In the Bible, she was most commonly known by the name Ashtoreth. They used to have poles, Ashtoreth poles, and she was involved in temple uh, prostitution. This goddess was all about sexuality. She is the patron saint of prostitutes. You didn't know they had one, but she's the patron goddess of prostitutes. Her worshippers reflected her promiscuity with temple prostitutes, male and female, and surprisingly in ancient times, this is not a new phenomenon, but in ancient times there is clear records of transgender prostitutes. It's not new, folks. Judges 2.13, they abandoned the Lord and they served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. So what does Ishtar look like today? Well, our society followed America and we began to move away from conservative Christian morality and God's word in the 1960s in the so-called sexual revolution. The goddess Ishtar was behind this with what was branded new morality. But it's not new morality, it's the old morality rebranded it's not new but just like before what was promised was sexual freedom and 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 it didn't arrive it produced bondage and it produced miseries misery for centuries in our society marriage was considered desirable divorce was rare homosexuality was underground and tv and movies reflected this morality i don't know if you watch old movies i like old movies but there was a time when they couldn't they couldn't ever have a double bed on the movie because that was considered too promiscuous and, they, and, and all the actors had to have at least one foot on the floor. <laughs> Isn't that cool? They don't do that so much any day, uh, these days. In the 1970s and 80s, sex was deified. Marriage mocked and sleeping around became a badge of honour. In the noughties, society got even naughtier and homosexuality lo- so long in the shadows became a legitimate lifestyle, quote-unquote as did having affairs and the party lifestyle. You see, Ishtar has always been about sex and instant gratification. If you add technology in the mix, you have a situation where they say that one-third of all internet downloads are pornography. One in three. That's what some of the figures are saying. Ishtar is sexual, but she's subtle. She takes what was once forbidden, unspoken and taboo and step by step introduces it into the mainstream culture via media and now social media. So this is how it works. The shock of sexual changes follows a sliding scale. And interestingly, you'll find the same scale and when I tell you, you're going to go, oh my goodness, that is exactly what we are seeing. This is the sliding scale. It starts with shock. We're shocked that this stuff goes on. Then there's familiarity, then numbness, then tolerance, then acceptance, and then celebration, and then persecution of those who don't celebrate it with you. You see the slide? Ishtar 
is the transformer. Now, transformers are very cool. If you see the movies, they're very cool. But she's the transformer. She forms transes. See, Ishtar expressed duality. As a goddess, she was beautiful, feminine, and sexual, but also strong, aggressive, and masculine. And in ancient days, her followers exhibited the same traits. Her temple worshippers were often homosexual, transgender, or asexual. So transgenderism that we're seeing so much now is not a modern phenomenon. It's actually an ancient phenomenon, reheated and reserved. Her mission is to emasculate and feminize men. Can you see it? Just as in the ancient times. And, and to do this, she targets the easiest ones to confuse, the kids. We have to pray for our children. We have to pray for this next generation because the stuff I'm hearing coming from schools is horrific. We have, to, we have to pray for our kids and our grandkids. In schools, TV shows and movies, transgenderism and bisexuality is openly peddled. And amazingly, Disney is among the worst, which is shocking to me. Um, this is promoted as an inclusive, as tolerant, as anti-discriminatory, but I believe behind it is an agenda to control the minds of our young people. That's what's behind it. You see, in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. That's what the Bible says. Well, back in ancient Mesopotamia, worshippers of this goddess, uh, Ishtar, combined not just the sex stuff, but illicit hallucinogenic substances and music. Let me modernize it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They did it back then. They've done it again. And, and all of it was accompanied by an explosion of the occult, which is what you see, you know, in mung bean and cheesecloth and stuff like that. The third entity, the third one we're talking about today is Moloch, probably the most despicable of the three. The ancient god Moloch is clearly identifiable in our Australian society. Leviticus 18.21 says this, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Moloch and so profane the name of your God. Now, who was Moloch? Moloch was a God who was infamous for the sacrifice of children. People placed their kids into the arms of the idol. You see it illustrated here. Then the kids would fall out of the arms into the fire and be consumed. There is a clear connection in my mind between Moloch and the rise of abortion both here and around the world. Uh, recently, our government legalized abortion up until birth. Last week, I said a, a child in the womb has fingerprints at 12 weeks. A child in the womb has fingerprints. They're a person at 12 weeks. Yet in our state, we can legally abort a baby up to birth. And they're just bringing in they're trying to bring in, in stuff now, legislation, to say, because what you don't know is over the last several years, uh, more than 300 babies have, have been part of botched abortions and the baby has been born alive and they have let the baby die. And they're trying to bring in legislation to say if a baby survives an abortion attempt, we have to care for that baby and, 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 and meet its needs and, and try and save it. Because this thing is incredibly evil. Now, if you've if you've had an abortion in the past, I'm not attacking you here because there are many victims of it, all right? And I'm saying if, if you have, you need to be set free from that because that will disturb your mind and, 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 and just be horrible to bear. 
So I'm not saying that you, that, you know, I'm not attacking you at all. But what I am attacking is the legislation that opens the door for us to murder our children without any compunction. In Australia, up to 100,000 abortions are performed every year. Gutmeier Institute reports that worldwide, get this, there are 73 million abortions a year. 73 million. They estimate, one figure I, I saw, that's hard to estimate, they estimate that about a billion babies have been aborted. That's one-seventh of the earth's population that isn't here because of this God. Jeremiah 7. They have built the high places to Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come to my mind, says God. He doesn't want this. But we saw last week that God's law directly opposes this spirit of Moloch right here. Directly opposes it. David wrote, Psalm 139, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Babies are people too. They say black lives matter. I'm saying babies' lives matter. You know, you can legislate all you like, but I believe our society is being, is being infiltrated by a hideous demonic spirit that sacrifices our children for its own personal convenience and gain. And the, the states sanction it. And, and, and look at the same sliding scale. See, once we were outraged, once we were, we were outraged and offended by the thought of a baby dying. But then there was accepting, and now abortion is celebrated, and now they're attacking people who don't celebrate it with them. It's the same scale. It's the same scale. But wait, there's more and more and more. I don't have time. I had to pull back a lot here, but I don't have time to explain in detail the many ways in which these ancient gods are transforming our culture. But I'm sure you can see a pattern here, can you not? That these guys are making a comeback. Baal turns our nation away from God and godly principles towards greed, creating a void in our society. Ishtar steps in, sexualizing everything and doing all she can to ruin God's image, male and female, and Moloch legitimizes the slaughter of millions in the womb. And I don't have time to go through, if you read Jonathan's Khan, Jonathan Kahn's book, it's very American-based, but it is really revealing uh, and, and quite shocking at some of the parallels. But let me just touch on a few as I wrap it up here. I don't have time to examine the start of the LGBT, ABCDFG group. Um, it started at a place called Stonewall, which was a gay bar in New York. And what happened was the police got a warrant, then they raided it, and that went on, out on television. That was the start of the movement that, is, that we now recognise as um, LGBT alphabet soup, right? Now, it's tied directly to the ancient gods. Now, here's an interesting thing. The warrant to raid that, that, that particular gay bar in New York that started it all was issued on the 26th of June, 1969. Uh, and it was actually raided on the 28th. But the warrant was issued on the 26th of June. The 26th of June happens to be one of Ishtar's ancient holy days. Now listen to this. The 26th of June, 1969, the warrant was obtained to raid the gay bar Stonewall, starting the, the movement. On the 26th of June, 2003, homosexuality was decriminalized in the US. On the 26th of June, 2013, defense of marriage was overturned. On the 26th of June, 2015, gay marriage was passed in the US. 
it's the same day. That makes you wow, doesn't it? You can say it both ways. Wow, wow. It works the same way. The same day. I mean, that's, that's like pretty amazing proof, isn't it? That these ancient gods are still happening. Now, here's another thing. The ancient followers of Ishtar that we talked about, Aphrodite's, all this sort of stuff, guess what? They used to have huge parades. Big, big parades full of homosexuals and transgenders and all that sort of stuff. They probably had their prime minister standing at the front of it as well. See, the ancient world had gay and cross-gendered pageants too. This is not new. We are dealing with an entity that has been around for thousands of years, millennia in fact, and they're making a resurgence. The parallels are uncanny. uncanny. Gay symbols, such as the, the uh, lesbian symbol is a double-edged axe, the colour purple, all of these were associated with the worship of Ishtar back in the day. And one of the ancient texts talks about Manzat Ishtar, which translate as Rainbow Ishtar. Surprise, surprise, Ishtar was about the rainbow. Did you wonder why they chose the rainbow? They didn't. She already had it lined up. Theirs has six colours, which is, is man. Ours has seven, which is God. But I think it's about time we took God's rainbow back. I'm sick of hearing of this stuff. But that's what they're doing. Now, without doubt, let me say this. We sing our national anthem. Advanced Australia, where? Because we don't know where we're going. Our whole, you know, we sing Advanced Australia, but where are we going? Without doubt, our nation, our culture, the culture you and I grew up under, is under attack. Ancient gods bearing a 2,000-year-old vendetta are rising, and people, this is the thing, people are blindly following this. And any fool could sit and look at some of the stuff they're passing and say, that doesn't even make sense. But look at what 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The, the gods of this world have blinded people to what they're doing, but they're doing it anyway. Australia had the marriage plebiscite. Remember they said, hey, we just want to, you know, gay people should have the right to get married. They really wanted that word. They couldn't just cohabitate or hang out or live together or what. They really wanted that word. And they said, oh, that's all we want. But it wasn't all they want, was it? That was the thin end of the wedge. There is more to come. Have a look at this. That's the Opera House, last week. The early tolerance has been replaced by a new enlightened tolerance, manifesting as woke, political correctness, and cancel culture. Note the sliding scale. We start with shock, then we have tolerance, then we have acceptance, then we have celebration, and then we have persecution of those who don't celebrate with us. It's the same scale. We're told to be tolerant. We're told to be accepting, not realizing... As 2 Corinthians said, that Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. And Australia's woke tolerance is anything but tolerant if you happen to disagree with them. You see, the thing is, we cannot say anything against gays and transgenders. Not that I personally have anything against it, but I have something against this movement. Because it's trying to conform people to, to this stuff. They're shoving it down people's throats. But we're not allowed to say anything out there in the press about it. But they can, because that's considered hate speech, but they can dress as nuns and mock Christianity and that's okay. 
It's okay for them to mock us. It's okay for them to criticize us. It's okay for them to charge us with anti-discrimination. But we can't say a thing back at them. Why? Because the God of this age is controlling all of that stuff. Romans 11 verse 2 says this. Do you not know the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. I alone am left and they are seeking my life. But what was God's reply to him, writes Paul? He says, I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There's Baal again. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. There is always a remnant. Now, you know, I believe that we are the remnant. I certainly want to be the remnant. I do not want to cave in under this stuff. When, when Elijah was facing Baal, there was a remnant that was saved. Hebrews 14 verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I have to tell you, I am ashamed of my nation and what has happened here in the last few years. I believe it is a reproach on our people. And I am ashamed of those churches that have embraced this clearly demonic agenda in the name of tolerance. And as a Christian... I'm called to love everybody and to tolerate people, but I'm not called to tolerate bad ideas, and they are bad ideas. You can love the people without condoning everything they do. This is the lie people have been told. If you love me, you'll let me do what I want to do and be who I want to be. No, I can love you, but still not agree with what you're doing. Anybody here a parent? Do you stop loving your child if they do what you don't want them to do? No, you can just keep loving them. We can love all of these people, all of them. The, the gays, the transgender, even the politicians, even the prime ministers, we can still love them. We don't have to agree with what they're doing, but we can still love them. We're not speaking against people here. We're speaking against the spirit behind it. Romans 1 says this, and this... I had never noticed this verse up until a year or two ago. Romans 1.32. Right at the end of Romans 1, when it lists all of these things down, the very last verse says this, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. They give approval to those who practice them. Many churches may not be doing these things themselves, but they are openly approving, clearly, unbiblical morality because they fear the media and popular opinion instead of fearing the one true God. It is time for us to suit up and stand strong. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So after all of this, you're probably sitting and saying, Man, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. But it's not. It's not depressing. This is just drawing up the lines of battle. This is exciting. What Mordecai said to Esther, Esther 4.14, and who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. See, we need to see reform in our nation. We need to see our nation in revival, true revival. I'm not talking about a little hint here and there. We need to see the whole nation in revival. And it doesn't start with politicians or the media or the social media or people's opinions. They're all under the enemy's control. It has to start with us. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Oh God, our land needs healing. It really does, Lord. Our land needs to be healed. But it's not about what the politicians do. I appreciate what, what, what you know, uh, ACL and others are, are, are trying to do. But at the end of the day, we've got to pray, folks. It starts with us. If my people, and if we humble ourselves, we might take a bit of a battering, but they will not beat us. So what must we do? Well, we have to, we must pray. We have to pray for our nation, for our leaders, for our people. We must also stay. We have to stay our hearts on the Word of God. We have to not compromise the Word of God. We have to stay together in unity. This is not a time to go out there as a lone wolf Christian. This is a time to join with people who are standing together against this great evil in our society. So we have to pray. <coughs> we have to stay. We also have to say. We have to speak out for righteousness and against woke, regardless of the consequences. I am so stunned at the silence that comes from the pulpits of our nation because people are afraid. But Edmund Burke said, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And if we sit around and we say, well, I don't really have an opinion, no, I'll just float along, I'll just, no, it's not really important, I'll just, you know, whatever, go, as long as they're not hurting anybody, it's okay. No, we need to have it. Let's let the Word of God be our opinion. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So we, have, we must pray, we must stay, we must say, but we also must portray. We have to live a life that speaks Jesus and His righteousness into this sinful, depraved, confused, intolerant world. We must live and care for everyone, including gays, transgenders, including uh, people we don't like, including people who run abortion clinics, including politicians. We have to love them all, but we don't have to condone what they do. We just have to love them. But it doesn't mean we keep silent. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to stand against the ancient gods and to stand for Jesus in our nation? I still believe what John, John said in 1, uh, 1 John 4 verse 4. You are from God and have overcome them for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The end of the day, the one who's in us is greater than the one who's in the world. You know, I believe that this is our moment. This is the greatest moment in history to be a believer. It's never been more exciting to trust God in this climate. We've never had this before. In all of my time on earth, I have never seen this stuff happening in our society. But if you think it's bad now, once you wait 10 or 15 years till this generation comes through and the next one's there, it is going to be rampant. People are not going to know whether they're Arthur or Martha, literally. So I believe we have to start now praying for our nation. Yes. And we have to start now by deciding in our heart that we will believe God against any of that other stuff that's peddled out there. We will believe the Word of God. That's our standard. This doesn't change every five minutes. Theirs does. We're serious about the Word of God and we will take a stand upon it. And people will attack us and people will call us prejudiced and people will call us intolerant. And they can call us what they like because I'm going to stand on the Word of God and I'm going to invite you to do the same this morning. Because this is a battle not between flesh and blood. It is a battle between spiritual forces and entities. 
and we are in the teeth of it. But praise God, we are, we are on the winning side. And, and you know, they can, they can do what they like because I'm just going to stand on the Word of God and it's that simple. I'm not going to try and twist the Word of God to try and make it say what it's not saying. I'm just going to believe it. And I think you should too. Would you pray? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you've spoken to our hearts this morning. Some of this can get us down and depressed. But we're not down and depressed, Lord. We're excited because we, are, we get to take part in the greatest battle for humanity the world has ever seen. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would suit us up and equip us to stand against the wiles of the enemy to stand against these three ancient evil gods that seem so powerful right now, but Lord, you are the greatest of all. They seem to control so much, but we know, Lord, your word says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And we are not afraid. We are ready to fight and to stand for what is right. And we do our fighting not using guns and knives, we do our fighting on our knees as we pray and intercede for our people. This morning, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're a believer, I, I urge you to pray this with me because I believe there is power in unity and there is power when we stand on the Word of God in unity to overcome the darkness of the enemy. So if, this, if, you, if you mean this, I want you to pray. If you really mean that you're going to stand for what is right and true and righteous in our nation. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to join me in it. Because I believe that together we can make a difference. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for being silent. I confess my sin to you. But right now, Lord Jesus, I pledge to stand for your word. I promise to pray for our people and our nation. And I promise to live my life totally in obedience to you.